a long time ago, uh, I remember I was going to the grocery store. And I went to the grocery store. Mans were marved. And, you know, I wanted to get something to eat. And I just want to tell you, if you go to, it is the worst time to go to the grocery store when you're hungry. Any witnesses? You know, because you end up going and buying all sorts of stuff that you're hungry for in the moment. <laughs> and then, you know, you forget, at least in my case, forget to buy the things that your wife sent you for. That's why I'm not allowed to go most times. Amen. Uh, but the fact of the matter is I went out to the grocery store and obviously uh, I'm a pastor, but and, and I'm grateful for the respect that I get, um, you know, from those to, that I pastor uh, or from the community that recognizes me as such. However, you know, in a regular context or like going to the grocery store if i see someone and i book upon them and and we do the you know the nod or the whatever you know um or get into a conversation i'm not going i'm just i'm not i'm not in that pastoral mode right i'll never forget man i was it was just random i went to the grocery store and i'm there and i'm in that environment and for some reason i got into a random conversation with this guy and i think it was over like the condition of the fruit or the produce or something like that and so, um, anyway, in the conversation, you know, as I was getting, we were getting ready to part ways, this was before COVID when we could actually do handshakes and all that sorts of stuff. And so I went to Daphne and I was like, oh yeah, so my name is Andrew, right? And he's going to look at me and be like, I'm Deacon so-and-so, right? And I'm like, bruh, did you just like pull a rank thing or something? Like, what was going, like, I didn't understand. I didn't introduce him, myself to him as a pastor. I know he doesn't know, he didn't know me, right, it, the, where we were in that context. And it was just weird for me, for him to, like, kind of uh, pull that pomp and that, that, uh, that, that, that kind of that air, that prideful, arrogant air. Like, he just wanted to let me know, like, his position. He couldn't just interact with me just on a regular base, like, on a regular person-to-person -person level. Like, even if I said, I'm Pastor Andrew. You know what I mean? It would make more sense, right? But I just said, hey, I'm Andrew. And he goes, I'm, you know, deacon so-and-so. And it was just random. And it felt really weird and felt really awkward. And I was just like, okay. You ever been in those conversations where you're just kind of like, okay, bye, you know? And it was one of those ones. And as I left, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, this is problematic. Like, in the church, when it comes to our understanding of what we're called to do and who we are called to be, you know, uh, it is, yes, honor is cool and respect and all of that is cool. But most importantly, we are called to be to the place where we have and exemplify a life and an attitude of service. Come on, somebody. We're not looking for people to just recognize us in a titular fashion, uh, but we're to the place where we understand that in most cases, there are people who have titles but aren't doing anything. And the fact of the matter is it's people that command respect and they have to command respect because nobody's respecting them because they're not doing anything. And this is often the attitude of Christians. And when it is that I think about this Unbox series and, you know, the idea of us walking in greatness and uh, the fact of the matter being that God wants us, what he's placed on the inside to come out to the outside. Uh, it, it, I, I'm thinking about what is it, what is it that you and I, in terms of our motive and our mindset, if and when we are unboxed, and the potential and the things that God has called us to come from the inside out. What are we going to do with it? How are we going to act with it? What is the mindset? What is the motive? What is the impetus that is behind it? Is it for us to be great? Is it for us to be seen? 
Is it for us to be prideful and, and walk around and, be, be, uh, and, and pontificate over people and be in this sort of a sense? Or is it the call which is to be a servant? Somebody say, a servant. And the, the, you know, the larger context of this passage that we see in Matthew chapter uh, 20, if you look from uh, earlier on, verse 20 rather to 28, we find that Jesus, uh, that Jesus is there and it's John and James or James and John and their mom. So James and John and their mom are there. And, you know, Mark records it as just James and John asking this question. Uh, but, 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 uh, but, um, Matthew records it as if it is, uh, if it is James and John's mom that's asking this question. And so if you look in the passage for the sake of time, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but we find that their mom is asking for them to one to sit on Jesus's right and one to sit on Jesus's left in the kingdom. And so she's aspiring and asking uh, for them to be able to be in a position of greatness. And so they ask that her mom, their mom asks this question. And then we find Jesus' reply because he goes on and he says to them, he says, you know, in the Gentile world or in the world, people at that time that were not Jews, right? Their idea of rulership and greatness is lording it over people. Their, their idea of, of being great is, is being to the place where your, your, your chest is puffed out and your nose is up and you're better than people. And this, this was a common theme and a common thought. And how many of you know that the kingdom of God is upside down? And so the perspective, Jesus even goes on, and I'm sure he rocks their world because they are not expecting him to answer the question the way that they do. Notice, Jesus does not rebuke them for desiring to be great. He does, he's not like, nah, this is not something uh, that can ever happen. He goes on, he says, it's the Father uh, that, that is going to determine where anybody is sitting. He says this, but he doesn't say to them, nah, fam, you shouldn't desire that or whatever the case may be. He instead corrects and challenges their perspective of what it means to be great. And this is what I want to do today. I want to challenge you because he goes on and he says to them, listen, if you want to be great, yeah, that's cool. You want to sit on the right and the left, that's awesome. But whoever is great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. And so, most importantly, someone who is great or greatness is attached to service. It's not attached to us having been puffed up. Greatness is not attached to this. Can I even tell you this? I want to I wanna let you know this because as we're talking about the idea of unboxing and the greatness that God has placed in you and the things he's called you to, walking it out, it's important for us to realize, here's point number one for you, the pinnacle of purpose is a life of worship through service here it is the pinnacle or the top the tippy top the best aspect of purpose is a life of worship through service this is what you and I are called to to do help me in the chat online host we are called and we are assigned to be to the place where we are we are servants and this is the pinnacle this is the pinnacle of purpose when we're talking about purpose and and you walking and realizing your purpose is is your idea of greatness one where you are lording yourself other people over other people where you're the boss and you're in a position but you're not actually serving people and this is the challenge what if you do get to your goals 
Is it just going to be about you? Come on, somebody. And this is the challenge. Can I tell you, a tree doesn't eat its own fruit? Let me tell you this again. A tree doesn't eat its own fruit. You don't see apple trees producing apples for them to then turn around and be like, mm, these apples taste great. Look how awesome. The no, an apple tree produces fruit so that fruit can go on and feed somebody else. Come on, somebody. God has not assigned you and called you to be great so you can eat your own fruit and believe your own news and the pomp and the circumstance and all of this. And this is why many of us might be in a position but ineffective because you don't have a servant's heart. The reason for greatness, the call, the call to greatness is one of service. And Jesus used some words that may be triggering to some of us, but he exemplifies this to us. And if we are one that are to be called, we need to understand the pinnacle of purpose is a life of worship through service. The greatest leaders, the great, and that's the big point for us today. The pinnacle of purpose is a life of worship through service. We worship God by serving others. The greatest leaders are the greatest servants. I don't care what your title is. I don't care how long you've been doing it. I don't care what position you hold. Positional leadership is not always effective leadership. I actually encourage you, go read John Maxwell's book, The Five Levels of Leadership. Titular leadership and positional leadership are at the bottom of the whole list. If nobody is being impacted, if nobody's life is being transformed, if the people behind you are not coming up and the people above you are not being pushed up, then you are not operating effectively in your role. And so the pinnacle of purpose is a life of worship. Notice I'm not skipping worship through service. Jesus make or the apostle Paul declares in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31. And whatever you do, whether you're eating or drinking, do it all to the glory of God. I even just sense the Holy Spirit put on my heart. There's some of you that are wanting and desiring for something for, for to go to the next level in the area that you are called to. And God is saying the, the hindrance is your heart. It's your heart. Change your heart. Change your motive. Understand as a kingdom citizen, the, what, what the corporate, the climbing the corporate ladder and ascending up the corporate ladder for some of you that are watching, that is not, should not be the goal. It should be you unboxing what God has put in you with a heart of service. I love it. You know, uh, worship and service go hand in hand, especially as Christians. I love what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 25. Got a couple scriptures for you. Uh, go ahead and write this one down. Matthew chapter 25 uh, verse. I want you to see this verse 34 through 40. 34 through 40. And I'm going to move. The Bible says, uh, it, it, then the king will say to those on his right. This is speaking about the king being Jesus gone away as he has. And then he's going to come back and he's going to say, in essence, what did you do with what I've given you? What have you done since I've been gone? And he says, the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Verse 35 says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. Somebody say, gave me food. Look, this is the text. He said, you gave me food. In other words, you did it to him. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Come on, somebody. Verse 36. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick 
and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Verse 37, then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? Verse 39. And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Verse 40. And the king will answer them. Truly I say to you, as you did it to the one of the, le of the least of these my brothers, you did it unto me. And this is why I say serve worship through service. Because when you serve others, when you love on others, when you, when you reach the lost and the last and the least of these, when you pull others up, come on somebody, while it is that you're walking in your purpose, some of you don't realize, but it is a form of worship. You're doing it, if your heart is right, as unto the Lord. And so, the fact of the matter is, this is the pinnacle. I mean, uh, singing a great song is awesome. I love you, Jesus. But it's amazing when you can say, I love you you Jesus through loving on the people that he came oh my I just I wonder if there's anybody that sees this thing this is why the Bible says I didn't mean to go here in James chapter 2 but go ahead and read the whole chapter it's good reading and he says fact of the matter is there's many all talking about you are justified by faith alone and not only this but he goes on and he says let, let you should talk about your faith and when you talk about your faith uh, I'm a, I, I, let me see those works to go with it because faith without works is dead come on somebody and he says what good is it for you to say that you have faith and somebody walks up to you and is naked and you say go in peace and serve the lord be clothed and be fed and be all of this so he says what good is faith at that point faith is demonstrated true faith godly faith is demonstrated when it is that we see someone in a position of need and because we're doing it as unto the lord and because it's a form of worship come on somebody that we are willing to take the clothes from off of our back we're willing to use the position that we have you didn't just get there and now you the king of the hill and don't remember that somebody helped you to get where you are come on somebody but you're willing to help others who are in need to get to move forward and to progress and it's not just about you feeding and helping and not just declaring that we have this faith that is never able to be seen by anyone other than Jesus when Jesus said what you do to the least of these my brothers you did it unto me that's why Galatians chapter 5 verse 14, I'm not going to go through all of these texts that I have, but he says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You, will you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so when you were thinking about greatness, when you're thinking about being unboxed, online and in the house when you are thinking about walking according to what it is that you've been called to do, were you just thinking about yourself? And your household? Or were you thinking about others? I love it. I love it. You know, there's something that's just so powerful to me. We've been uh, in, our, in our book club. And I told the brothers I was going to mention this uh, on, uh, when we did our book club. Because the men, we, we've been going through Kingdom Man. And uh, it was powerful by Dr. Tony Evans. And he was sharing about a guy that I never heard of that did some incredible things. Or somebody that you don't hear his name really in scripture. And his name was Shamgar. Everybody say Shamgar. 
And Shamgar, he's a judge, and he's in, in the book of Judges. He's not like a common name that you hear about. But this dude was ridiculous. He was someone that killed 600 Philistines with an ox gold or something that is used in farming. And this is insane. Like, you rarely hear of Shamgar. But, you know, in reading, and I just said, this is powerful because average people, people that aren't necessarily the ones that are out front, the names that you hear, the popular names, uh, oftentimes those are the ones that God uses to do, make the most impact. And it's crazy because as I was thinking about this and I went and I was looking at this passage, I thought it was powerful. Uh, something I noted, it says, watch this, in Judges chapter 3 verse 31 says, after him was Shamgar the son of Anath, watch this, who killed 600 of the Philistines with an ox gold. And watch this, that's where, you, where we usually would stop. But, and he also saved Israel. Uh, uh, where, where, where am I going with this? This, this? this is insane to me. I love it, I love it. Doesn't just document that he killed 600 Philistines. Wasn't just about him having his moment to shine. And talking about what he could do. Look at what I can do with this ox gold that I have. Come on, somebody. Moses, Moses. If you look at the story of Moses using his rod to split the Red Sea. Wasn't just about Moses getting to the place where he's like, look, I'm the boss man. God has God has got my back and I can split Red Sea. No, it was about the children of Israel being able to pass through on dry ground. And the salvation of Israel. Who's seen where I'm going? David and Goliath, the story that we talk about so often. I love it, I love it, I love it. Because in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we see that the Bible makes it clear. When David approaches Goliath, verse 46, This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut your head off. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth... Here it is may know that there is a God in Israel so first of all he says I'm doing this because I want the world to know that God is worthy of worship it's real and worthy of worship verse 47 and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hand no he says he will give you into our hand Oh, he says that the whole assembly he's doing it he's gonna kill uh, Goliath because not only does he want the heathen to know that there is a God that is real but also uh, he's doing it because he wants the assembly to know my God that God is a savior come on somebody and notice when he talks about Goliath dying he doesn't get to the place where he's saying that he's gonna do it so that God will give Goliath into his hand but he says he wants Goliath to be given into our hand come on somebody I want you to understand the fact of the matter is that Shamgar and David and Goliath they were great individuals and we usually talk about the awesome things that they did and we revere them which is most definitely necessary but their mindset and their motive was not about them getting the glory come on somebody they understood that there was a greater assignment that was attached to their purpose come on he's not like yo Goliath is it's just going to be me. This going to be a head on my wall to talk about how awesome I was. But he says God's going to get the glory and the people of Israel are going to know that God is a savior.
Yeah, come on, somebody. And the victory is going to be ours and not just mine. I wonder if there's anybody that understands that God has called you to be able to experience victory, not just for you, but I wonder if there's anybody in this place that knows that it's not about your name in light, but it's about his glory first and foremost. And God has positioned you, David, David Ena. He has positioned you, Shamgar, to be to the place where the world can know that there is a God who saves and is real. And beyond that, we realize that it's our victory so that the generations to come will know that our God is a delivering God, that Yahweh, the most high God, is who he says that he is. It's more than about you. Somebody say it's more, it's, it's not just about me. Come on, you ought to put that in the chat. It's not just about me. It is about us. This is the idea that I'm getting at. When Jesus answers their question around greatness, he says that the greatest among you is a servant. Again, the pinnacle of purpose is a life of worship through service. It's to the place where we ought to be thinking about our neighbor and realizing that these things, that these items, the greatness that God calls us to is not not just about us are you with me so the fact of the matter is we have to be intentional about this and I want you to see this this generation and the next generation is going to be crippled if we do not teach them and give them a godly understanding of what greatness is we have here's point number two pass the godly definition of greatness onto the next generation if they, right now, greatness is pegged as a bunch of likes on a social media account that they can close tomorrow and then people's lives are shattered and people be killing themselves over likes and shares. If greatness is just pegged and put out there as you getting to a position of ascendancy in a, sorted, in a certain position, the fact of the matter is the next generation will be crippled if we don't. We have to pass a heart of service onto them. Yeah, you need to become a doctor so you can have uh, some, some letters after your name. And you've got to go through school and do all of this and do all of that so you can make us proud. It's not just about making yourself and others proud. But the fact of the matter is it's about a heart of service. And so we've got to pass the godly definition of greatness on to others. And obviously, I want to say this for those who might read this and think in verse 27, whoever is the first among you must be your slave as supporting slavery. And I know not all y'all would be that, you know, to, to think that. But he's not talking about the transatlantic slave trade or anything of that nature. He's talking about where we are to the place where we realize that our life is about more than just us. Where we are always looking at ways that we can be of service to others and using the position that we are to be a blessing to others. I love, I love this scripture. There's a scripture that in, in Romans chapter 12 verse 10, he says, love one another with brotherly affection. And this is what, this is what he says. Outdo one another in showing honor. Here it is. Romans chapter 12 verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. What, a type of, what type of life is that? That's amazing. If you live a life that is not about you and it's not just about people building you up, but you're, imagine, instead of competing with people for what they have, imagine competing with one another to show who can show each other the most love. 
Instead of being jealous, how about outdoing one another in love? It's so powerful in showing honor, in honoring one another. It's a powerful thing. And so this is what we need to pass on to the next generation. I love, even with my kids, this is something that we have to pass on, that even for those of us who have families, you know, my wife and I, uh, I praise God, this year is 15 years of marriage for us. Come on, somebody. I love it. I, and I'm, I, I, I love we've been together for 17 years. And the Lord is so incredible in our ki- and even with our children, you know, to us, it's imperative to 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 pass this on to our children and, th- and the kids that also look up to us to make sure that they see this. This is why it's important when we're out and there's somebody that's in need time and time again. We have literally gone and out instead of me just going and doing it. I bring my kids along and we'll go and we'll go and buy somebody something to eat. Not only this. But even in this position, we always have stuff in the car, always have something in the car to be able to give to those who are at the sides of the road or whatever the case may be. But even in our prayer, because, so, you know, prayer is such a powerful opportunity for you to teach your kids theology. Prayer is a powerful opportunity for you to teach them and to train their hearts to be in a place of evangelism. And so in prayer, we teach our kids when we're praying, we're not just thanking God for our food and thank you for what we have and what this can do. But we're challenging. We pray, God, we pray for our Serve City family together that you would provide for them. We pray for our extended family. We pray for those in our city. And we ask God to use us to bless those who are in need. These are things that we have to imbue our children with. Put it in their prayer. Put it in prayer time. Talk to them. Tell them about it. Include them in this. Because this is how we get ourselves to the place where our mindset and our, and our, and our motive is different. So, and is godly as it pertains to the way that we, that, we, uh, that we are serving and that we are unboxing ourselves. And so Jesus, I love it because he says, whoever would be the first among you must be your slave. Verse 28, even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. I love it. And to give his life as a ransom for many. I mean, listen, fam. If anybody deserved to be worshipped on the earth, would it not have been Jesus? And Jesus says the reason he came was not to be served, but to serve. He didn't come with pomp and circumstance as many of the people before him did. But he showed up and he came in a place of service. He was born in a manger. He had a heart that was desired. Luke 10, 19. He came to seek and save that which was lost. He didn't come and set up a throne at that time for people to come and worship him. But his purpose was to show up in a position to call people to salvation. And I love it. I love it because can I tell you this? The Bible makes it clear. In John chapter 1, I want you to get this picture. Verses 1 through 5, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word. Jesus is known as the eternal Word of God. And the Word was with God. Speaking, being a part of uh, the Godhead or the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Saying that Jesus, who is known as the Word, possessed divinity. Divinity. So he's co-equal with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. He was in the beginning and all things were made through him. So for those who think Jesus is a created being, how can he be created if the Bible says all things were created through him? Didn't mean to teach theology, but I love this stuff. And so look, and without him was not anything that is made that was made. 
Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Then when you skip down to verse 14, says, and the word became flesh. Somebody say, the word became flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the son from the father, full of grace and truth. I love it. Jesus is the word. He's the eternal word of God. He it was God. God was spirit. John chapter four makes it clear that God is spirit. And instead of sitting up in heaven and looking down, come on, and just blinking his eyes or saying some magic words and making everything happen or sending an angel or any of this. God, Yahweh, the most high God. This is what Jesus means. The name Jesus means Yahweh rescues or Yahweh is salvation. Yahweh puts on flesh and comes down to earth. He puts on our flesh. Oh my, the epitome of service. I mean, this is God. He could have showed up and told everybody, look, I am here. I am here to say, no, he shows up and instead he calls, he points people to the father, to God, the father, but he is on the earth on a, with a mission of service to be a slave to mankind. What a powerful and an incredible thing. The word became flesh. We don't usually think about how powerful this is. So I want to just leave you with this thought. If God could humble himself, and come down to earth we should at least be down to earth so if God who is the word was able to come put on flesh and come down to earth come on somebody we you and I should be able to at least be down to earth and not be high and mighty and not be to the place where we think we deserve for people to fall at our feet and worship us and all of this sorts of stuff no the fact is it's not about you and I just getting to a position of ascendancy and getting to the place where our name is in light or where our name is on a door or on a desk or getting to the place where we have some initials after our name is over come on the fact of the matter is that we've got to get to the place and as he says in philippians chapter 2 let this mind be in us that is in christ jesus who even though he was in the form of god he got he humbled himself like a servant and this is it the greatest among you is the servant of all and so i ask you are you desirous of being great and when you think about being great are you thinking about eating your own fruit is it just so you can be vain? Is it just so you can look, people can look at you and say how awesome you are? If and when what was inside of you was to come out, what would you do with it? Would you be positioned to where people would see God glorified through your service? Faith is Galatians 5.4, I believe it talks about faith working through love. Or is it about you and people seeing you and recognizing you and seeing your title so they feel they, they you, no, no, no. If you are going to be great, you are going to be a servant of all. If you are going to be great, it means that you are a slave to all. Not because somebody enslaved you, but because after the similitude of Jesus, you put yourself out there to be a blessing to others. And no, I'm not talking about allowing people to use you and get to the place where they, you know, crap on you and all this stuff. I'm not talking about that. 
But I'm saying where you go out of your way to live a life that makes ways for others to connect with Jesus and the needs of others to be met and for them to come up. And people who are great leaders are confident enough where they realize that somebody else coming up doesn't take away from you. It only adds to you. And there are many of us that are so insecure that we're scared about others prospering. And the reason why you're not a servant and you won't be a servant of all is because you're scared about other people being blessed. That's going to take away from you. And this most definitely is not the case. This is not the case. It's enough for all of us to eat. There's enough of God for all of us. There's enough. There's enough for all of us. And so I encourage you to change your motive and check your motive and get to the place where you and I, we walk out and we are unboxed, but we're unboxed with the right motive. Praise the Lord.